0: Good morning. Good to see everybody. Welcome to the vineyard. If this is your first time, we are glad you are here. Man, yeah, I saw that the older gentleman on that video just really touched me. I just uh, pray the older I get, the more sensitive and, you know, humble and kind hearted I become to get older and uh, for people. God grant us that. It is good to see everyone. We have been in a series in the book of Jude. It's a little small book near the back of the Bible, next to the last book, actually. And uh, we have been uh, taking this thing apart. We've only got uh, one more Sunday after this left, and then we move into uh, Advent into Christmas time. And uh, we have discovered that Jude has uh, has has this church in his heart. He really loves this group of people, and. We, But it's been threatened, you know. There's uh, Something's happened and some people have come into this church that are sowing some discord and it's uh, actually concerned him greatly to the point that last week we found out that uh, Jude comes from all angles at making an appeal to the church that he loves here. He goes, uh, he uses scripture from their scripture of the day, which was the Old Testament. He goes to it with examples. Then he goes to, to tradition, to some of the stories of their culture as he appeals to that and then he just goes with metaphor which I love metaphor after metaphor after metaphor it's kind of like well Jude couldn't you just use maybe two or three but he just goes one after the other trying to appeal to this church to say the situation that you're in is very serious and that the people who are sowing uh, this uh, aberrant teaching this uh, false prophecy and false uh, doctrine need to be deal, dealt with and you need to take notice uh, but he never loses his positiveness as if you want to call it that over how much he loves this group of people uh, our kids well our son, our youngest son and, and uh, daughter Aaron and Bobby went to China a few years ago on a missions trip and they visited the Great Wall of China and uh, Aaron was just telling me about how splendid it, it is when you're standing on it looking out and and all, and, uh, I read this story this week that the Great Wall of China has only been breached three times in its history. I mean, you're talking about a wall, what, 4,000 miles long, 26 feet maybe tall. And it's been breached three times, and all three times it was breached because the guards were bribed. Not because somebody scaled the wall and climbed over it, not because they pushed it down, but because someone on the inside was bribed to open a door. And then the enemy just walked in. And in this church and in this situation at this time, evidently there were, there were some teaching and some people who had been gaining uh, some trust in, in this small church. And really probably this church was 20 people Because the churches of the New Testament during this period of time, they didn't have big buildings like we do today. And so they would meet in many times the more wealthier members' homes because they would have bigger houses. And so those members would invite the members of the church into their house and they would have church in their home. And then they would take out a wall to make more room. And uh, they would just start those all over the city, and that's the way the early church began because they just didn't have facilities like we do nowadays. And so this was probably initially written to a very small group of people. And therefore, it only takes a few people in a small group of people to have a huge effect. And it's affecting this church. You know, there's not much of a protection from a threat within You can put up walls on the outside, but once something gets inside and starts kind of fragmenting and doing its work, uh, that's true, isn't it, within a family or within a business, within a church, within a relationship. If something gets in there and begins to fragment and separate, it can become very, very nasty kind of quickly. And so Jude's very concerned about this church. We're going to be over in Jude 17, uh, verses uh, 17 through 23 this morning. And uh, Jude's whole focus is beginning to change. It has been on these folks that have been causing problems, but now his focus is going to shift over to, here's what I want you to do, church, that I love so much. Here's how I want you to handle it. So he's going to give some help now. Here's the way I want you to respond when you find in your midst uh, some challenges from people who maybe aren't that healthy to the spiritual life of the church So let's read Jude 17 through 23. We'll pray and jump into this. I love the way he starts this verse. But dear friends, you know, he loves this group of people. He's a real uh, pastor to this church. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Father, we pray your blessing today on your word. Holy Spirit, would you just breathe life on it? Help me today, Lord. Help me with the gift of teaching. I pray for that. I ask for it. I ask, Spirit, that you would come and open our hearts to understand what you want us to hear today. I pray, Lord, for all of us. We're all in different places in our journey. Some of us are just checking things out. Some of us have just started this walk with you. And then some of us have been in this for quite some time. I pray all of us, God, would hear your voice today. since your call and your woo and your compassion and your love. And, Lord, we welcome you here. And, Lord, also, I just being reminded from this video this morning. We pray for those who are in need today over in the Philippines, all of the devastation. I pray you would be there with them today, God, that help would get quickly, food and shelter, and that, Lord, your church also would come alive there in the Philippines with compassion and practical help as well. We pray for those there that are suffering right now and that you would be with them, Lord. And Lord, that you would help the world come alongside now to help, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, you got a handout in, uh, or a fill-in in your handout if you want to track along with me. Where you can, we can just work through this pretty uh, systematically. Jude uses uh, triplets; he uses threes, groups of threes, in this teaching as a vehicle to help the people of his day remember this. They didn't have books; they couldn't. They didn't have access to the Bible or even access to paper. They didn't even have that. And so Jude wanted people to the church to be able to remember and memorize the teachings and all that were being passed on. So they had devices like triplets that they would use in their writings. And so as you work through this book of Jude, these 25 verses, you see 20 different sets of triplets, of threes. Pretty cool, I think, you know, that uh, these guys, somehow we think people that lived 2,000 years ago were dumber than us, you know. But they weren't dumb. They were smart people. And uh, so this is one of the tools, the instruments they used. And so the first of three triplets here, and then there's three in each one of these parts, is Jude is wanting them to remember, this is your first fill-in, that what's happening here isn't something strange. Remember, this isn't something strange, the fact that they're having to contend with people who are trying to pull them away from the faith. That isn't a strange thing doesn't mean something is especially wrong. It's something they have got to deal with. And I love the fact that he begins this part of the text with, but dear friends, you know, he's like, come on, you, I love you guys. I care about you. Remember Jesus told us that, that there was going to be people to come along that would challenge what he said. And also remember that there were people that were going to come along and challenge what the apostles taught us. What, his, what James and John and Peter, what they taught us. And so this is not something really strange. Don't, let, don't feel like the world is, you know, the ground is opening up before you and it's going to swallow you. This is a challenge that we were, we were warned about. People were going to come in and they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't believe what we've been taught. And so, you know, you need to be aware that there are these three types of people in your midst. And as we work our way through that, your second feeling is this. Notice in uh, verse 18, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own godly de- ungodly desires. Verse 19, these are the people who divide you. There will be dividers in our midst. In the church, you're going to be confronted with people who are divisive. They come in, they want to separate, they want to cause problems. They come in, and let's just be honest about it, church people. I mean, it's easy for any of us to fall into this, isn't it? I mean, the church, having people who want to divide the church, really that happens in really, in churches? I mean, really? Yeah, it, because there's human beings in churches, and people have feelings, and people have things they hold dear, and they even have convictions they hold dear, and when they run counter maybe to uh, other people's convictions, then we have uh, we have a little conflict sometimes, family conflict in the church but it crosses over when it becomes divisive and, and things, someone begins to actually move in and start dividing the church. You know how that is, right? How gossip happens and someone moves in and starts talking bad about some leader in the church or some person in the church or something. Uh, maybe our second church that we were involved in, so naive, not knowing much about church life at all, we had a youth group, and we were the elders. We were the oldest in the group. We were 22. Um, you know, we were the mature people, and, uh, and it, which is really scary when you think about it. And um, 22, 23 years old. We were in a traditional church. We had a growing youth group. Uh, a lot of the younger people were getting to be 18. And at this church, they had their government was set up where you voted on everything, and you voted the leaders in, and you voted them out. And uh, we were a little bit uh, irritated that we weren't getting the attention that we deserved in the church as a, as a growing youth group. And so we're in a meeting one night and our youth crowded into actually Karen's uh, mom and dad's house. We were over there and we're crowded into this house and uh, one of the 18-year-olds goes, I know what we can do. We can vote them all out and we can take over. Says all we've got to do is move through the church and divide and conquer. You know, if we just move in with all the young people and any of the adults who really like what we're doing, the next, because it was coming up in like six to eight weeks, all these elections and such, we can vote all the old fogies out. And we can take over. You know, and I'm going, yeah, all right. You know, the old 60s is coming out in me, I'm like fight the power you know the man let's go we're taking over we had a we had an older lady that was our kind of counselor in our group in the church she was our sponsor in this church she was a teacher been a teacher for decades very sweet lady and she was sitting over just to my right and I whenever that came out came up and we were all getting so excited I saw her drop her head and just put her hands down And so I said, I said, what's wrong, Miss Elise? What's going on? And, And she goes, I just don't feel good about this. I don't think this is respectful of those who have really worked so hard in the church. I think if God wants a change in this church, there's probably a better way than dividing and conquering. And I just remember the Holy Spirit grabbing my heart, you know, and just breaking it, thinking if I had given myself to that to that emotion, to going that way, then suddenly I'm a part of an insurrection in God's family, in his house. And I'm just so grateful that, that the Lord broke in on us in that group at that time and really got, you know grabbed our heart because we all are susceptible to being dividers. Are we not? And in this church in Jude, Jude calls that out as a group. He says, look, you're going to have dividers. You're going to be people who want to come in and divide you. And then the second group he mentions are corruptors who follow mere natural instincts. These, that whole phrase, you know, that follow uh, natural instincts means they give themselves over to their natural inclinations. It really has somewhat of a sexual overtone to it. And that is that these people believe that if you feel it, you should be able to go with it and do it. And so if like if if I feel like, you know, uh, things aren't going well in my relationship with my wife or my husband, then I should be able to find fulfillment outside of my marriage. It doesn't matter what God is saying here at all, I can go with my natural instincts, the pulling of my flesh, that hunger that I have instead of having it filled a right and healthy way. I can go with that and this is a corrupting influence. And I I can just imagine in this church that in these meetings uh, that these people, the corruptors would, you know, as people get honest and open with their struggles and where they are in life and people are saying I'm really struggling and this and that. And these corruptors would come along and say well why are you struggling with that? Why don't you just go with it? Why don't you just go with it? God's grace will cover it. Go with it. Because earlier we've already found out that These people actually take the grace of God and use it as a license, we found out earlier on in this book, for sin. So I'll just pull out the card. You know, here it is. God's grace is sufficient for me in anything I do. So I'll just go do it. And that's a corruption of the whole doctrine and the whole belief in the beautiful gift of grace. And so Jude warns them, he says, you got dividers, people who come in, they want to separate you, they don't want there to be unity in the church, and there are corruptors in the church who are led by their own earthly desires, not what God has. They have no moral center in their life. They have no moral conviction in their life. You know what that is, right? A moral conviction is when the Holy Spirit that's in us Here's, here's kind of the way it's happened with me in my in my life. You know, when I first came to Jesus, I didn't sense that conviction as strong as I have since I've gotten walked with Christ more. The more I've read this, the more I've learned to respond to the Holy Spirit, his presence that lives within us. Suddenly the things that you used to get by with and you could do with much glee suddenly bring great sadness to you. Because God has a better way of living. Before I could live any way I wanted to, I could do anything I wanted. Pretty much so. But when I've come to Christ and as God puts his word in me and as God leads me, he says there's a better way to live, a a way that leads to real life, true life. And so as we progress with Jesus through what's called discipleship, you know, we move with him, we become more aware of those corrupting influences in our own life. And we go, wow, that's not how I want to live. And if someone comes to me and tries to sow that into me and tell me those things, I'm like, that just doesn't fit with the way Jesus... That's not that... Remember I used this the last couple of weeks, that it looks like such a narrow living. Coming to Jesus is like a narrow door, but it leads to such a beautiful life. But on the other end, without Jesus, it looks like we can do life any way we want to, but the more we live it, the more confined our lives get. The less and less we, it seems like we have freedom we lose things in our life, relationships, money, you know, the finances, our peace, it all gets lost as we do life our own way. But when we enter this gate, this narrow gate with Jesus, it opens up to life as he always intended it. Life abundantly, the Bible calls it. So that's that's, you know, these guys, they had absolutely no problem corrupting the church. They were like, you don't need to listen to that. You don't need to listen to what Jude and James and maybe Peter are telling you. They were a corrupting influence. And thirdly, he describes them this way. He says, and do not have the spirit. These were unbelievers. There were dividers, corruptors, and then there were people who just flat out did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was and were teaching to just disregard all that the apostles And Jesus had brought to the church. And any church that throws their arms out and welcomes people are going to have all three of these in it. And I'm glad. And that's why Jude said, don't let this take you by surprise. It's not a strange thing. When you throw your arms out and you throw the doors wide and you welcome everyone because you want them to experience the love of Jesus, don't be surprised. Don't, Don't get upset when the dividers show up and the corruptors and people who don't even believe. I mean, they're going to sit there and talk to you. And when you say these things, they're not going to believe what you're saying. And, and so don't get upset, but know there's a way to work through this. And, uh, and so he begins to, to give us some help. And this is your, your next section here. That is remember, here's how you respond. Here's how you respond to this. And this is what Jude tells this local church. Remember to take care of yourself spiritually. Remember to take care of yourself spiritually. This is how you won't be pulled astray, if you take care of yourself. He says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Remember to take care of yourself spiritually. Colossians uh, 2, 6 through 8 says, You must make your most sacred faith the foundation of your lives. That way when the winds come and they blow against you and they test your faith and what you believe, you can handle it because the legs of your faith are good, strong, and sturdy. And so he gives us some help here. I just want to mention this in passing that out in the lobby, Uh, There's a couple of books. This This one's free. This is our core values and beliefs book. And here's one way you can take care of yourself is you can grab one of these. You can go over to the back of it and you can look at our statement of faith. And then you can go through all these scriptures that are in the back and you can read them so that you can sink the roots of your belief deep down into some good soil and see if Tim is preaching the truth or not. Read this. And that way when some dividers and corruptors and unbelievers come in contact with you, you've done your work. You know what you believe. And so another thing is this book, Passport, man, what a great book. If anybody that I have prayed with to begin their journey with Jesus, I take them through this. I'll sit down with them for six to eight weeks. We meet together for about an hour in early in the mornings, and we make our way through this book. This is one of the best tools I think we have to get people really going in the right direction. And so you ought to pick one up and work through it. I mean, I've worked through it I don't know how many times myself. I just grab a new one and go through it again. And it's, it's easy. You can go through it in 15 minutes in the morning. And if you sit down with someone who wants to begin the journey, what a, it's been exciting working with people through this. And that way you can, you can grow. Now Jude goes on and he gives three. You know, He gives three ways that we can take care of ourselves spiritually. And his first one is, And praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer. Praying. There's nothing that substitutes for prayer. Talking to God. You feel, I mean, the way we grow in our relationship, the way you grow in your relationship with other people is you spend time with them and you talk to them. Right? I mean, you can't say, you honestly can't say you have a relationship with someone if you don't talk to them. Right? Husbands, I'm just saying for you wives, okay, there you go. If you don't talk to someone, if you don't listen to someone, there is no relationship. And the way we get healthy is we listen and we talk. There's this exchange, this conversation. It's how we get to know one another. It's how we, our hearts are changed and, and praying. God loves to hear your voice. He doesn't need to hear it, but He loves to hear it. He wants to hear it. He wants to hear you talk to Him. He wants to hear you verbalize what you're going through. He wants you to say to Him, Help! That's a one-word prayer that you can put in your pocket today and go, I learned how to pray today at church. (laughs) See, what prayer did you learn at the vineyard this morning? It was very profound. Help! You know, it's a great one. And take that one building ourselves up in this holy faith through prayer Ephesians 6.18 says and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers yeah there are all kinds of prayers help prayer thank you prayer I don't know what I'm doing prayer you know I don't know how to get out of this I don't know how I got into this I don't know how to get out of this prayer my heart is broken prayer I'm lonely prayer I've been blessed. I don't know what to do with this, God. I want to be a good steward prayer. Help me. I'm being challenged in my faith. I got doubts prayer. All of those are great prayers, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And by the saints, he means us, for the people in the church, not the dead saints. I'm talking about the the, the alive saints. You here, keep on praying for all of the saints. And then in Romans 8, 26, 28, I, I really, this breaks it open in prayer. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Spirit helps us when we're weak. We do not know what to pray for. We run out of words. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's all of us, in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit that lives inside you as a follower of Jesus knows everything that needs to be prayed about. So when you get confused and you're like, I am just so disoriented, Lord. I mean, I don't know what to ask you for. I mean, I really don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's the first thing to say is that. I don't know. That's a great prayer. I don't know, Lord. I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I'm getting really frustrated. I'm getting anxious. I don't know what to do. Well, Paul tells us in Romans that there is this thing the Holy Spirit does inside of us when he will pray through us. I know it sounds like mystical. It is. It's a beautiful thing, a mystery that the presence of God that comes to live within us when we begin to follow Jesus will actually pray through us. Now, wherever you come from in your theology, there's a thing called cessationism that says all the gifts of the Spirit have ceased to exist, which I don't believe. But even if you believe that, if you pray a lot, you know you hit a place in prayer where you don't have the words anymore. You have used your vocabulary up. And there's nothing else to say. And I, I mean, I have a dear friend who is a cessationist. He doesn't believe that the gifts of the Spirit, like tongues, which are used for praying in this situation, I think a lot. Uh, but he says he finds himself, he says, groaning sometimes. that he, As he prays, he'll, uh, he'll just feel like he's almost birthing something, that he's groaning before God. As the Holy Spirit just begins to pour out in him. Now me, I believe 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14... I am grateful for the gift of tongues. I've been praying in tongues, praying in tongues since 19, like four months after I became a Christian. This happened to me. I believe the gifts of tongues are custom made for this. Because when I run out of my own English language and I run out of being able to say what's on my heart, the Holy Spirit can begin to pray through me not that it's not the Holy Spirit too with understanding but Paul said I will pray with the understanding and I will pray without the understanding or in the Holy Spirit and so begin to pray and I believe that gift's available you you can ask for it not everybody gets it I understand that but you can ask for it God loves to give gifts who knows he might give it to you if you ask then you go pray and you got another thing in your arsenal where you can pray when you hit the end of your own words Paul says pray Pray in the Holy Spirit. And then he says obey. Pray and then obey. Praying, obeying. These are the people who divide you. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, then he says keep yourselves in God's love. How do you keep yourself in God's love? How do you do that? That's what he said. Keep yourself in a position of sensing and feeling and receiving God's love. Well, Jesus said over in John 15 in verse 9, he, said, he told his disciples basically the same thing. He said, remain in my love. And then he followed it with this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. In other words, the way to receive it and to experience God's love is to stay obedient to what you know he has called you to do. These people that had come into the church were challenging Jude, pushing him and saying, look, people don't need to obey what this says. Just go with your own flow. Do what you want to do. Jude comes along and says, no, you need to keep yourself in God's love. And one of the ways to do that is obey. Continue to obey God. Obey the way that we've been taught by the apostles and by Jesus. Don't bail out on that yet. Don't do it. Stay faithful to the way of life that Jesus has called us to. You know, I know that's a tension there between the grace and the obeying. I understand that. The grace of God says that there is not one thing we can do to earn it. I know that. I realize that. And so, if there's not one thing you can do to earn it, then is there anything you can do to keep it? I think that tension is left there on purpose by God so that we have this kind of check in our life. All I know is we are told over and over again to obey Him. That we don't bail out on obedience We don't, again, before in this book, he said that these people had turned the beautiful grace of God into a license or sin. And if we do that, if we say, I got to get out of jail free card, like I can go do what I want to and I'll just throw this card of grace out whenever I need it. If we live that way, we have suddenly pulled our ways out of, pulled ourselves out of the position of receiving God's love, of experiencing it in the way that we could. And so Jude Jude says, don't do that, continue to obey, hang in there. And then then he says this, he says, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Uh, We definitely don't talk about this in the modern church, in this church, and that is talking about when Jesus is going to return. That's what he's making reference to. He's saying, listen, you need to hold on to that hope. Praying, obeying, and hoping. Know that these challenges are not always going to be around. That one day Jesus is going to come back and everything is going to be put to rights. And so you hold out for that. Did you know these guys, these people that wrote the scriptures, that lived this out, believed that Christ would return now. Now. No, not now. Yeah. Now. I mean, every time they, when they wrote this, they wrote it out of a position of of incredible passion and conviction that Jesus Christ could return to this earth at any moment and the kingdom would be here. And so they felt it was incredibly important to push the church and to say, this is important, live this way and keep your hope on Jesus because He will come back. It won't always be like this. You won't always have to face these trials and these temptations. You won't always be threatened on the right and the left. One day He's coming back. Hold on to that. Sickness will be gone. Thirst, hunger, hunger. There will no longer be any loneliness because people will see the fullness of his kingdom come. And so when you get pushed and you get stretched and you get challenged, Jude says, hold on to that hope when we experience the fullness of salvation. 2 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 11. Paul says, but since we belong to the day, we live now. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation. I heard of years ago the best definition of hope, an unwavering expectation of good. An unwavering expectation of good. In the midst of challenges in Jesus Christ, you have an unwavering expectation that good is coming. One day it's coming in Jesus Christ won't always be like this. As a helmet, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that's a nice way of saying dead or alive, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And how do we do that? We pray. We obey And we hope. And then he moves to, how do we deal with these people that have caused problems in the church? He says this, remember to reach out to those affected. Remember to reach out to those affected. Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to them. After we tend to our own spiritual care, after we make sure we're praying, he says, reach out to those. And he describes those in our midst uh, in three different ways here again the triplets be merciful to those who doubt there are doubters in our midst the doubters all of us have been there or will be there right there are times when we doubt I still have my doubts at times I mean there are things that go on and suddenly I'll go really Lord are you sure (laughs) you know I don't know about this. And, you know, that's talking to God. Like, God, I don't get this. You know, I'm wondering, is this really true what you're saying? Because right now I'm not experiencing this. But I want to. But this doubt went to the point that where there were people who were backing out of the church. They were beginning to doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. And, you know, any welcoming church that throws their doors open, as I said when I started the sermon this morning, where we're going to attract all kinds of people and all of us are going to be at some stage, at some probably these stages at some various point in our life. We need to reach toward one another. If someone comes to you in the church and they begin to say, I doubt, I'm wondering, I don't know, I don't know if I believe that Jesus is who he said he was anymore, Tim. You know, how do we react to that? Do we give them the stink eye and just, What? You lost your mind, you know. Or do we show some mercy and compassion and go, well, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Let me hear your heart. You know, what's, what's happening here? Why would, you, why would you say that? Let's talk about it. I mean, that's the church we want, right? Where we can be there with one another. Where we can express our doubts, not get the stink eye, not be shunned, pushed aside. You know, think that we're less of a part of the group at all because we have a doubt. Jude says, reach out what can we do? We can spend time with one another, with doubters. Spend time with doubters. We can use words of mercy. Be honest. I've been there. You know what? I had my time too. I had my time too of doubt. I doubted God's goodness. You're right. I've been there. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's see what God says. You, know, you can be careful, like I said, about the body language when you're with someone who's going through a ser- time of doubt. You know, if you were. You kind of do this when they start saying things. You've kind of showed your cards a little bit there, haven't you? I mean, you know, you can reach forward. Show mercy because mercy bends down. Mercy bends low. It comes down to where the person is. And so when someone's going through doubts, the church should bend down and be there. Then he mentions another group. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. Then he says, save others by snatching them from the fire. Wow. Wow. Now that's getting on on down the road a little bit. These are the deniers, or excuse me, the distant, sorry. These are the distant, those who have distanced themselves now from the faith. Matter of fact, they've distanced themselves so much, you can almost smell the flames of hell. (laughs) And Jude has no problem with this. We may have a problem talking like this, but Jude has no problem being very explicit because he loves these people. He loves the people that are being pulled astray. And he loves this church. And he says to church, you have the ability within you to snatch people right out of the fires of hell. That's pretty exciting. To know the church has been given that ability and that resource and that mission to go to our friends and those who are being pulled down that we, through the mercy of God, to be able to snatch them up before they fall completely away I think that's again with time being able to give time to people listening wouldn't it be great if we could listen to people without interrupting them I'm just wondering what that would do I mean especially people who have doubts or who are suddenly distancing themselves and we give them the gift of uh, you know a few minutes of just listening while we pray while they share and we pray Lord help me show your mercy right now Help me snatch them out of the jaws of this place that they're headed to. And then then he also describes the deniers. To others show mercy mixed with fear. That means you need to be careful when you go after these people because this person is antagonistic and probably militantly opposed to what you believe and and the elements of the faith. So tread lightly, realize that they're probably going to come at you and come after you and try to pull you astray as well. But he still says, show mercy. He still says, go. Go. Go after these folks. Go after them. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to say this, but where he says, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh, how important is this? No, no translation that I found I actually said it the way that... Uh, Jude said it here and I think that's because it's a little gross (laughs) what this means. Hating even basically hating even, even the underwear that has been soiled by human waste. In other words there is a stench in this person that if their attitude has got to the point that it's like soiled underwear. Sorry but that's what it says. That this person has just denied, denied, denied and is so antagonistic that there is just this bad, just odor and feel about them. But what does he say do? Show mercy. He still says show mercy. To care, to go, to be with them. But do it with great fear and realizing they will go, they're going to want to pull you away. And so you go in smart and you've gone in as you've developed your own spirituality in a healthy way, your own relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you this. Do you have anybody in your life who you would say uh, is a doubter? I hope you do. I hope you know people that are doubters. Do you have people in your life that are distant from God? Do you have people that actually deny that Jesus is who he said he was? Do you? Do you? Can you think of someone? When you think of someone in those three categories, can you just kind of wave at me so I'll know you're thinking of them right now? It's doubters, the distant, the denier. You got them? All right, let's pray for them right now. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.